In today's global economy, quality matters. Benjamin Franklin once quipped, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. Quality Matters is here to talk about all things quality. So whether you're looking to improve your business, getting ready for an audit, or dealing with failed inspections, tune in, check us out, then get back to doing work that matters. Hey y'all, I'm Darcy. I'm Kyle. This is your Quality Matters podcast. I was told that I need to be a little more upbeat. Just a little slow on the last one. I was a little too slow. Sorry, y'all. It is foggy out. I'm a little cold inside. So, you know, I'm going to be happy talking about quality to you today. <laughs> We're going to talk about uh, another case study that I found. Kyle's really enjoying these case studies. We hope you guys are too. Oh, it's awesome. That's your opinion. We don't know about our <laughs> listeners, so I hope that y'all like it. Um, this one is about Kenya Pharma, which is a $550 million USAID-funded project. Wow. It was implemented by Chemonics International. I'm not sure who they are, but I assume that probably they already had some standards in place right. to start running this. Um, and the goal of Kenya Pharma is to deliver drugs um, in Kenya for HIV and AIDS treatment and prevention. Okay. Um, so this was written in June of 2013, so five or six, five and a half years ago. So um, some of this I was briefly talking to Kyle about. Again, I don't really understand. I'm learning as I go. So they operate, this is a supply chain kind of thing that mm -hmm. they did a case study on. They operate on a demand-driven or pool distribution system. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Um, well, a lot of warehouses hold maybe a surplus of inventory, and there's a, there's a cost associated with holding it. And so they hold that surplus of inventory that way whenever it's needed. They know that they have what they needed. In these type systems, the absolute bare minimum inventory is held in place and it is pulled from another central location or pulled directly from manufacturing processes as it's needed it takes so a lot demand of driven that yeah. makes sense okay so they have 169 facilities that submit orders to the central warehouse mm -hmm. i guess which holds the bare minimum um, they have partnerships with different people for distribution and warehousing um and so then they talk about a hub and spoke distribution network. And I mean, in my head, I'm picturing a wheel mm -hmm. of a tire and the hub is the warehouse, I right. guess. And the spoke is all the different directions that the medication is going to go. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. All right. I imagine it right. Go <laughs> me. Um, so the 169 ordering points supply 626 dispensing points that use the antiretroviral therapy. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think I said that right. Um, and they provide a full range of HIV, AIDS, preventment, treatment, and care services. In addition, they have another 654 dispensing points that provide only pre prevention for the mother-to-child transmission. So it's looking like over about 1,300 points that they're going to 1300 spokes i guess is what we're thinking of that is a lot just imagine for a second how many individual um 
actions have to take place, and it should be conducted fairly uniformly to each other. And, you know, we're talking about, and, you know, it's not the American economy. It's not American infrastructure that we're talking about here. This is a, a lot less uh, developed. To be able to execute this on that many points is just fantastic. Well, I think you're going to be impressed as we go through this article. <laughs> so uh, we'll see. So they began the process of working on their QMS in 2011. They got ISO certified in the summer of 2012. Awesome. That's pretty quick, I think. That is. Two years for organization of that scale? That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I don't even think it was two years. It was one year. Oh. They started building it it in 2011 and got certified in 2012. So from building to – and it says that they actually kind of started in 2010, but some things happened, so – so it talks about their approach, and everybody knows the basics of how to build a QMS, and I'll go over mm-hmm. those. You can say if you agree with it or whatever. Um, I think you agree with this first one. It says, document what you do. Amen. All right. Amen. <laughs> he loves the documentation. So that was their first basic. Just Let's just document what we do. And then the second one was do it. That's it. Okay. What is that say quality is? Say what you're going to do. Do it and do it repeatedly. Right, right. So do it. Um, Then keep the proof that you followed what you documented. No brainer. All right. (laughs) Then check to make sure that you're doing what you've documented. Just following the PCDA cycle right there. All right. Whatever you said. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Ensure your management team reviews progress, drives improvements, and champions the system. That's it. So they went to the basics, um, and that's how they were going to approach this. Um, and so they said that often, however, you know, that's pretty much we can put that in black and white. This is what we should do. Mm-hmm. But often it's not that that you have the obstacles with. It's the softer edge. It is. Which is generally the people. Yes. And getting them involved and getting them on board. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, they talk about that a little bit later. It's not um, a part of the ISO 9001 standard, but if you look at the old health and safety, the OSAS 18001 standard, or the new ISO health and safety standard 45001, they have huge pieces on employee participation and employee consultation. Um, because yeah. for safety, you really have to have people directly involved. And it's kind of a disappointment that it's not in the 9001 standard. It is a little bit, but not to that well, extent. Well, it seems to be a common theme that we keep talking about on each one of these podcasts, whether it's with a case study or blog post or whatever, that you've got to have a team mentality. It has to be everybody's got to have buy-in. It does. I think There's that's no pretty common sense. Um, so then they talked about there were three themes that played a key role in their in- implementation process. It said, play to your strengths. So whatever you already do well, let's keep doing it and improve on it. And it says that the Kenya Pharma project was already operating with zero stockouts. Wow. Wow. I ran inventory for a couple of years, and I couldn't even manage that for a month. Yeah. um, It says it was a rare feat in the developing world for a pharmaceutical supply chain. That's phenomenal. And that's it says it was operating. So it sounds like before they even went right. to get certified, they were already doing that. Let me, let me interject here real quick. Um, I've talked to a few folks that, that have good systems, but they're hesitant to 
overlay a management system on top of it. They feel like it's going to be too much extra work. It's going to be too much cost. Folks like this that are already operating in the top tenth of a percent globally Mm -hmm. to overlay additional structure, they don't do that for fun. They do that because they see how much vastly better it can already make a great system. Right, and that's what they're, I mean, so that was their first thing. They, there were three things, and that was the first one. Play to your strengths. What are we already doing well? So they already had no stockouts, and it says with clearly documented practices, the staff adhered to, uh, they re- adhered to those practices repeatedly, mm-hmm. and they were held accountable. And so because they started doing what they were, or not started, but they were more accountable for it now, yeah. Um, they were Im- a- able to improve their margins. So they have uh, what they call field service representatives, mm-hmm. which are kind of like pharmaceutical sales reps, but mm-hmm. without a commission. They're not right. selling anything. So they're still the liaison between, um, I guess, the distribution points mm-hmm. and the company back home. And um, Well, any QMS has to have uh, customer requirements. You have to have someone to gather those requirements. You have someone to communicate those requirements. And these field locations would be the source for, for Yeah, so that's what they got feedback on expired or non-conforming products to be able to change it. So with those field service representatives, they were able to raise their percent of received on-time orders from 61 to 78%. Wow. Yeah. So, again, they already had a great system in place, but they said, how can we make this better? And that's what they did with the ISO 9001. Um, The second thing that they talked about is making it collaborative, Mm -hmm. which we already talked about in in a previous podcast. We talked about the quality management representative and how he was taken away. And um, that's what they really said is that they created a team of people who knew ISO 9001 mm-hmm. and a team of people who knew the technicals of the pharmacy and distribution. Mm-hmm. And they were all learning from each other yep. and saying, well, this is what we do and this is what we do and how can we combine these to make each one better. So, It's the way to go. Yeah. And then the third theme was results, results, results. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess whether they're good or bad, you got to analyze them, you know. Well, what's the old adage? You inspect what you expect. So... If you you can't uh, you can't have any uh, management system without knowing what you're achieve, wanting to achieve, and it has to be quantifiable. Oh, it's funny you should say that. We were actually talking about this earlier. Kyle's trying to help me understand process maps, and it's you know throwing me for a loop. But he likes those outputs, <laughs> and so they the project's performance management plan had 43 detailed output and outcome indicators. That's perfect. And so they purposefully put those into each process and documented at the appropriate steps if those outputs were being met or not. Um, And so because they've all documented this, it can be duplicated worldwide. And they're hoping that other supply chain pharmaceutical oh, yeah. to help third world countries mm-hmm. and i mean obviously it'd be great for any pharmaceutical supply chain but you know their goal is to help the third world countries that need other medications no i agree i agree and but let's take a minute just to chat about so they said what you said 42 different uh 43 43 uh-huh. uh, different indicators um goals and objectives uh, this is something that sometimes we struggle with 
is they have to be defined in a, a very certain manner. So let's say your goal is to be the best. Your goal is to be number one. Like we, This is the most simple example, but I still see it when I do audits that people have this as a quality objective, that they're going to be the best in the industry for this, or they're going to be world-class. Please measure that for me. Exactly. What's the measurement of world-class? Or even if you're going to say, well, we want to grow our revenue by 20% year over year. Really? Well, how are you, you know, what's your, what's your measure there? So we're growing revenue, but do you, you should probably also have, this is why these folks likely have so many indicators here. If you want to grow revenue, great. So now you've got your sales guys out there selling the cheapest, mm-hmm. lowest margin stuff you offer because they know they can push it. Mm-hmm. And so now the next year, yeah, you grew revenue, but, you know, what was your business? So that's kind of where goals and um, objectives are a little different. Goals are a little more fuzzy. We want to enhance profitability. But that in itself is not an objective. So if you want to enhance profitability for next year and grow a margin, well, you're probably going to have four or five different objectives there. And objectives have to be specific. They should have a timeline attached to them, and they should have a measurable number mm-hmm. that can be reviewed. Yeah. Yeah, definitely measurable. Um, it says that in 2012, I guess, which is we talked about earlier when they got certified – um, the company, what do they call that comes out and certifies the cert- certifying body or okay. registrar? Okay. So they found no nonconformities. Really? When they came out. That yep. is something, especially yep. for a, an organization that size. I mean, I can only imagine the days auditing that they had to spend. Um, that, that's, that's something. Yeah, it says they just really talked about the uh, process, the value of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had some flexibility. Um, now with their certification, they can easily change their work processes. People can find what they need to find. Wait, you said they can easily what? Change their they work. They can easily change? Yeah. Uh, see, I get that objection a lot, that people are afraid that ISO or – API or you know whatever the standard is that it's going to lock them into how they do things. Oh no, it says all work processes and change notifications are effectively captured. It said process improvement becomes seamless flowing through all aspects of the supply chain without the risk of being siloed. That's fantastic. So it doesn't lock you into anything. And this is something that, you know, even Kyle has said to me a number of times, like, you know, even just in our own business, I said, well, I don't want to write that down until we know that's exactly how we're going to do it. He said, no, we write it down and then we make a revision. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Don't be afraid to put Rev1 on paper. Just because you've been certified and this is what it says, that's okay. You can change it as long as you document it. And it's supposed to make everything seamless. And easy. It really can. So they talked about the flexibility and the sustainability that now um, this operation can be transferred to anybody. I guess the American part of the project was supposed to end in 2014. It was supposed to be turned over to Kenya. Okay. So um, Well, that was very good timing then. Yeah, it says, in effect, Kimonics was hired to work themselves out of a job. So, um, you know, they said now that they've got everything in place, they could easily turn it over right. to people in charge. And they said those are some questions you should ask yourself in your own business. Can I turn this over to someone else to run, and can I teach them how to do what I do? 
That's a really good point. And I'd like to add, how hard would it be? Because, I mean, I would guess in almost any situation, you can Mm -hmm. turn it over and teach somebody how to do what you do. But, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, how hard is that going to be? Or how easy is it going to be? I don't know, but that's a really good point. And, I mean, really, isn't that kind of what every entrepreneur or uh, every good manager or executive really wants? Is they want the company to run without them having to daily pull the strings and make things happen. Yeah, you want to own your own company for your own flexibility. So so you can go on trips with your family. (laughs) But, you know, if you're having to be there every day to make sure everybody's doing their job the way you want it done, then you've not created a very sustainable company for yourself. And there's a lot of pieces that make that possible that we just don't have time to talk about right now. Um, but one of the key pieces, and hopefully we'll talk about this a lot over the uh, months and years to come, is the value and methods of uh, competence and getting folks uh, you know, good at what they do um, according to documented policy. Yeah. Competence. Oh, that's a fun word. <laughs> uh, how many times have you heard me say that? How many times <laughs> you heard me say that? Or incompetent. Yes. Those people are so incompetent. But it's a key word in any case. Getting off track there a little bit, but it's fun stuff to talk about. Yeah. And so then lastly, or maybe not lastly, they talked about project culture. Um, talked about how they brought members together as a team, which we already talked about. Everyone felt like they had a voice and that they were learning. So they enjoyed learning and that they felt like they had a role in innovating and improving and making it better. So it's one thing when a company asks, like, oh, how can we make improvements, but you don't ever feel like. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was teaching, we were asked for input on things, and so many times I just wouldn't give my input. I'd say, what's the matter? They don't really care anyway. (laughs) You know, you don't feel like, you don't feel valued. No, I agree. I was... uh... I think we'll be talking to them soon, but there's a, a company I've worked with. They have uh, this little good catch card, and it seemed kind of kind of silly the first time I saw it, but it's uh, it's really amazing. Yeah, you were telling me about it. this it's, yesterday. It's really cool, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about this more later. But, uh, yeah, finding really authentic ways to, to capture your, your people's feedback is, is – uh, is critical. It's important to do it in a way that they actually feel valued and yes. something's going to be done with it. Yes. And it's okay if not every time something's done with it. But right. to know that people are actually reading it and saying, okay, mm-hmm. we see value in doing this or not today, mm-hmm. maybe next time. Absolutely. But um, not to just throw something out there because an auditor said we needed to do this. Right. <laughs> which <laughs> is how it key. feels. Um Again, just another note, and they said most importantly, the, everyone from the receptionist to the project drivers felt like they had a say and they participated. So, again, it's the teamwork attitude, everybody having buy-in, um, inclusiveness. It's that soft side of the business that they talked about. It's easy to write things down and get things on paper and get all the instructions and yep. processes from everybody. That's easy. But to get people's buy-in is a little bit more difficult. And it can be. It just sounds like they did it like we've talked about so many times before, that they came in as a leadership team, as a yep. partner next to you, and said, hey, we want to do this with you, not to you or for you or challenge you. Yeah. We're going to help you out. Um, the last thing to wrap this little article up is that they developed a quality anthem their project staff developed okay. a quality anthem, which I assume they chant or sing. I'm just going to read it because I have no idea how they oh, chant or on. sing it. Um, it says, well, 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 where Kenya Pharma? 
Well, 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 we're here to serve. Well, 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 we're Kenya Pharma. Quality is our job. That literally gives me chills. It really does. So they are so proud of how well they do what they do that they included that. And not only, like, included it, I don't, I don't know if this is their mission statement. It's a quality anthem is yeah. what they call it. But, you know, how many times do you go and say, hey, what's your mission statement? What's your quality right. policy? And you can tell people are just, quality is our job. We love to do quality. <laughs> like, they have memorized it and rehearsed it for the auditor that's yes. there today. Before today, they didn't know it. And tomorrow, they're going to forget it. But right now, they know it. Right. <laughs> but this is a little chant. They've turned it into it. a song or a chant yeah. or a poem or however they do it. And they know who they are yeah. and what they stand for. And, I mean, this is literally a life and death matter. Yes. If they don't do their job well, people are going to die. Yeah. I mean, this is... And if you don't do your job well, one day, people are going to die. Yeah. So they realize the um, importance. Everybody yeah. in every step of the supply chain realizes their value yeah. in what they're doing. I-, I love it. I love it. So quality... Well, well, well. Is quality your job today? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that uh, they, they hit the key of what uh, we want to talk about. It's quality matters. Yeah. You know, you, you need quality processes to do meaningful work. And, and even if it's work. not a lot, yeah, it's very meaningful work. And even if it's not a life and death situation, so many of, you know, I know probably people are listening. If it was me listening to me saying this, I'd be like, well, my job's not life or death. It doesn't matter. And, you know, it doesn't. But everybody's job does matter. You know, mm-hmm. it takes everybody to make the world go around and, you know, getting off topic a little bit. You know, I remember talking as a kid about how everybody from the truck drivers to the trash guys matter. And just recently we've encountered the trash guys as we're leaving (laughs) for school. And my eight-year-old, God bless him, he loves to run out and give our trash guy a fist bump and a hug. And the trash guy wishes my daughter a happy birthday. So you may be in a job that you think doesn't matter, but it matters to someone. And, I mean, our world can't spin without everybody doing what they do. So it's not, it may not be a life or death matter, but it does matter and quality matters in what you're doing. Amen. So thanks for listening. We'll hope you listen next time. We're live. Not ready. Three, two, one.